Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great salvation. We thank you that you save sinners. We pray this morning that you help us to think rightly from your word about how you hold on to us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we come to the the last of our five-part series on salvation. We come to the P of TULIP. And the P stands for the perseverance of the saints. This doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, it's answering this question. Can a true Christian fall away? That's uh, the, the word saint here is being used of a true Christian. That's the question. Can a true Christian fall away? What, what do you think? What do you think the answer is? Do you think that uh, a person can be a Christian, a true Christian, but then stop being a Christian and end up in hell? Do, do you think a person can be born again, but then get unborn again? Well, if you look around, the answer seems obvious, doesn't it? Uh, there are lots of people who give every appearance of being Christian but who then fall away. When the going gets tough, they give up. Or gradually they get caught up with other things. Jesus talks about it in one of his parables. Can you think of which parable that is? It's it's the parable of the sower who sows his seed. Remember the parable of the the, the farmer? Some falls on the path. Some people who hear about Jesus, but they never get it. They don't understand. They don't believe. But then some seed falls in rocky places, doesn't it? That's people, they hear the word about Jesus, they receive it with joy. They they seem to put their trust in Jesus, joyfully. But when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. Well, then you've got your next lot, the the, the people with the thorny soil. Um, The the seed falls among thorns. That's people, they hear the word about Jesus, it works its way into their lives. But uh, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth... The desires for other things come in and choke the word. Only some seed falls on good soil so that a crop is produced. Only some people bear fruit and stand firm as Christians to the end. That's what Jesus taught. And, And it's what we see around us, isn't it? In my time here at Chatswood, I'm sad to say that I have seen people fall away. They said they were Christians, they talked like Christians, they acted like Christians, but then something happened. Maybe uh, a non-Christian girl or guy came on the scene. Maybe they were unhappy about something. Maybe they just got busy. Whatever the reason, they now say they don't trust in Jesus. This actually happened to one of the blokes who helped me become a Christian. He, He convinced me to put my trust in Jesus and now he's chucked it in himself. It's even happened to famous Christians. There's one man, a man by the name of Roy Clements. He was a famous minister in England, a bit of a hero of mine. He actually came out to Australia a few times and spoke. I remember hearing a series that he did at at CMS Summer School on the book of Galatians. It's wonderful. He also wrote a number of very helpful books. But then, if I understand the story rightly, he met a bloke. And he left his wife and his children and started living in a homosexual relationship with him. He's obviously not a Christian anymore. Jesus said it would happen. And clearly, as we look around, it does happen. People who give every appearance of being true Christians 
fall away. But not not only do we see it around us, the Bible warns us about it. God keeps on warning Christians, don't fall away. Let let me show you a few examples. You can see them on your outline there. You can see where I am now. Warnings not to, near the top left-hand side. Have a look at these warnings. Matthew 10.22. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Notice it's not he who prays a prayer at the end of two ways to live will be saved. It's not even he who spends most of his life as a Christian who will be saved. It's he who stands firm to the end who will be saved. Or look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Do you see the if there? If you continue in your faith, not if you don't continue, if you continue in your faith, you'll be presented holy and blameless in God's sight, not if you don't. Well, most significantly, look at this one from Hebrews chapter 6. There are some Reformed scholars who try to say that this is not referring to true Christians falling away. But I've got to say, it sure looks like it to me. This talks about people who've been enlightened, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, who've, who've tasted the goodness of the Word of God. Have a look at it. Hebrews 6. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance. Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. That's a pretty severe warning, isn't it? If you're a Christian and you fall away, there is no way back. That's what that verse is saying, isn't it, on its face? It is impossible to be brought back to repentance. So can a Christian fall away? From a human perspective, the answer must surely be yes. People who give every appearance of being Christians do fall away And we are warned over and over again in the scriptures not to. And so there are some churches that teach that true Christians can fall away. This is the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. And it's also what was argued in Holland by some of the remonstrants in 1610. Now they didn't all agree on this and that's reflected in their final document. But it was certainly argued by some of the remonstrants. I've put a quote there from the Conference of Remonstrants. This is what some of them thought. Can you see it there? This one's actually not a Bible verse. I should have put it in different writing or something. Okay, persons truly regenerate. So this one's wrong. Okay, put a mark on it or something. Wrong. All right. Anyway, this is what they say in in the Conference of of, uh, Remonstrants. Persons truly regenerate by neglecting grace and grieving the Holy Spirit with sin fall away totally and at length finally from grace into eternal reprobation. When I, when I go walking with my children in, uh, in Chatswood traffic, I, I, I insist that they hold my hand. Okay? I say, hold on and don't let go. Okay? All the happy drivers in Chatswood who haven't got the faintest idea where they are going, I say, hold on and don't let go. All right? Now, they sometimes resist. 
They sometimes get distracted. They fall. Uh, sometimes Joshua suggests that he just hold my finger, all right? that, I don't hold his, that I don't hold his hand back. But the thing is, he doesn't hold on. He lets go, and he lets go at the worst possible times, just when a car's coming. Suddenly he's not there on my finger. It seems that it's that way with us and God. God calls us, hold my hand, walk with me, don't let go. He warns us, keep holding on. But not everyone does hold on. People who give every appearance of being true Christians do fall away. The Bible warns us as Christians not to fall away. And so it seems, it seems like true Christians can fall away. But that isn't all there is to say on the matter. Because, because the Bible shows a degree of confidence about Christians. In fact, more than a degree, the Bible shows a lot of confidence about true Christians. Confidence that they will persevere. Confidence that they will end up in heaven. It's not a confidence in them, far from it, but, but it's a confidence in God's power to hold on to his people. John 6.39 is the next verse and and here Jesus talks about how he's going to raise up all the people God has given him. All who look to him, who believe in him, will be there at the last. None lost. Have a look at what Jesus says. This is the will of him who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me. That I shall lose none of all that he has given me but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Look at the next verse. Jesus says, No one can snatch his people out of his hand. My sheep listen to my voice, says Jesus. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. It's like when I'm walking with my children in, uh, in Chatswood traffic. I insist that they hold my hand. I warn them, don't let go. But ultimately, it's not their holding onto my hand that's the issue. Now, they, might to forget to, they might forget to hold on. They might get distracted. They might, they might fall and let go. They might even resist holding on. But in Chatswood traffic, let me tell you, I'm holding on to them like, like grim death. Okay? Nothing is going to take them out of my hands. Jesus is the same with his people. No one can snatch them out of my hand, says Jesus. Look at the next verse from Romans and see the chain of events here. The people that God knew and predestined and called and justified, those same people God glorifies. It's not some of those who are known and predestined and called and justified who are glorified. It's those who are known. Those who are predestined, those who are called, those who are justified, who will be glorified, who are glorified. It's an unbroken chain of salvation. If God knew you, if he predestined you, if he called you, if he justified you, then he will definitely glorify you, no doubt. Have a look, those for, God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also glorified. Those he, ju- those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, 
he also glorified it. So certain, it's written in the past tense, little Greek way of doing things. We'll have a look at the next one. And see how the faithful God is keeping us to the end from 1 Corinthians 1. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Look at the next verse from Philippians. See Paul's joy, see his confidence here. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, I'm one of those people who start projects. I'm full of enthusiasm as I take up the guitar yet again, or as I go on yet another diet and exercise program, or as I decide I'm going to learn a language. I start projects, but I don't often see them through. Still 10 kilos overweight, I still play the guitar badly and I still barely speak English, let alone any other language. I'm a person who often doesn't finish what I start. But God isn't like that. Not according to Philippians 1 there. If God, is, if God starts a work in you, he brings it to completion. No, no half-made projects lying around in God's shed. God finishes what he starts. If he called you to be a Christian, he will bring you through to the end. Well, look at the next verse. It talks about how Jesus lives forever. Forever he is, he is praying for his people as our priest. And so he can save his people completely. That the, the permanent eternal priest gives a permanent eternal salvation. There you go, can you see it? But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I'm sure you're getting the message, but one more, one more. Look at 1 Peter and see here how the inheritance is kept for God's people. The inheritance is there in heaven. It can never perish. But see also how the believers themselves are kept by God, shielded by God's power through faith until the day of salvation. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, and now have a look, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's a nice image, don't you think? Nice image. The powerful God is with us. His shield covering us, protecting us to the end. Who's going to stop him? No one. Friends, can you see what God is saying in his word? If he has you, he won't let you go. If you are truly regenerate, truly justified, then you won't fall away. You can't get unborn again. True Christians... Do not fall away. The saints persevere. And not because we're strong. Not because we're holding God's hand. But because we have a strong and faithful God. A God who's promised to hold on to us to the end. Now that's what the Bible teaches. 
And so that's what the Council of Dort in Holland in 1618 to 1619 affirmed, the perseverance of the saints. By God's grace, true Christians will persevere to the end. Uh, but, then, but then what about the stuff we saw before? What about the fact that people who give every appearance of being true Christians do fall away? What about all those warnings in the Bible? Calling on Christians don't fall away. How do those facts, how do they fit in with this fact of the perseverance of the saints? How can you put them together? Well, let's deal with each one in turn. First, there's the fact that we see people fall away from a professed faith in Jesus. From a human perspective, we see it all the time, don't we? And yet God says that from his perspective, he will not let go of those who are truly his. I think there's only one conclusion we can come to. There's only one way we can put these facts together. Those people who fall away, they were never true Christians. If they do finally fall away, they demonstrate that they were never born again in the first place. If you think about it, it's there in the parable of the sower. Why does the seed not bear fruit? Because it doesn't fall into good soil. The people who chuck it in, they were not good soil. They were rocky soil. They were thorny soil. They weren't true, good soil, muddy Christians. Or, or the Apostle John says something very similar. He's talking about false teachers here in this next verse. It's slightly complicated, but just have a look because this, I think, just clears up how the, the two facts relate to each other. He's talking about false teachers here, people who walk out on the church, who walk out on their faith. And this is what he says. The next verse on your outline, can you see it um, under putting the facts together? So these false teachers, they went out from us, they left the church, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Do you see what John's saying there? The fact that they go shows that they didn't belong. They weren't true Christians. The fact that they go, the fact that they fall away, it shows they were never fair income in the first place. Okay, on the one hand, people who look like true Christians do fall away. But on the other hand, God says that he will never let go of his true people. So it must be that those who fall away were not true Christians. All right, what about the second fact? Now, the fact that the Bible keeps on warning Christians not to fall away. What are those warnings doing there if Christians can't fall away? Why, why would God put them there? Well, it seems to me the answer is simple. Now, what the warnings are doing there is stopping true Christians from falling away. God is using those warnings as part of his way of holding on to us. See what I'm saying here? God doesn't magically hold on to us. He holds on to us, in part, by telling us to hold on to him. Okay, it's like my children. I'm holding on to them, but I tell them, and part of how I'm holding on to them is I tell them, hold my hand and don't let go. Now, the Council of Dort talked about this, and it called it God's ordinary means to preserve his saints. And they said that God, I've put it on your outline there, again, sorry, this one's not a Bible verse, although this one is right, it says God preserves, continues, and completes his work. How does he do it? By magically, no, no, no by the hearing and reading of the gospel, by meditation on it, by its exhortations, threats and promises. God has put the warning passages there to stop us falling away. And here's the point. Here's the point. Here's how the fact of the warnings fits in with the fact of the perseverance of the saints. You ready? Here's how it works. 
True Christians will heed the warnings. True Christians will heed God's warnings and not fall away. Do you see the point? The warnings are there to stop us falling away and true Christians will listen to the warnings and not fall away. And in fact, that's exactly what the author of Hebrews 6, uh, that that very strong passage warning Christians, that's exactly what he says. He's just said, if a Christian falls away, there's no way they could ever come back to repentance. They'd be crucifying Jesus all over again. Couldn't get any stronger about it. But then he goes on to say this on your outline. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case. Things that accompany salvation. Do you see what he's saying there? He's warning Christians not to fall away. He's saying if you do it, you'll never come back again. But at the same time, he's confident that they'll listen to the warning. He's confident that they won't fall away because that's the kind of thing that accompanies salvation. Those people who are saved listen to God's warnings and they don't fall away. Do you see how all these facts fit together then? If people fall away, well, they show they were never truly God's. And the reason the warnings are there in the Bible, it's part of God's way of holding on to his people. And by his grace, his people will listen and won't fall away. Well, they'll hold on. Okay, so having put all of that together, let me try and answer the question that we asked at the beginning. Can a true Christian fall away? Can a true Christian fall away? What's the Bible's answer to that question, do you think? Can a true Christian fall away? Well, the Bible's answer to the question is, don't do it. That's the Bible's answer to the question. Don't do it. Don't fall away. But know that God has you in his hand. He will never let his people go. And so a true Christian will persevere to the end. All right, well, let's move on to think about application then. How does this apply to us? How does this doctrine, how does it apply to our lives? On your outline there, you can see two important applications. The first application is that Christians need to persevere. Notice, this is not the doctrine of the lazy saints being carried to heaven. This is not the doctrine of the saints chucking it in but being saved anyway. This is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And so, saints, the way to apply the doctrine is this. Persevere. Heed the warnings of God's word and persevere. Don't ever let anything lead you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing that is worth it. As Jesus says, you can gain the whole world, but if you forfeit your soul, you are the biggest loser. No amount of money is worth it. No amount of power is worth it. No amount of sex is worth it. What Jesus gives is infinitely more valuable. Stick with Jesus. Never give up. Hold on to the end. Grasp hold of eternal life and do not let go. The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints reminds us that the saints must persevere. So persevere. But second, as you persevere... As you cling on for grim death, know that God is holding you. And if you're his, he'll never let you go. I read a story recently, and this story I think illustrates beautifully the comfort of this doctrine. Let me read it to you. A pastor was calling on an aged parishioner who was seriously ill. When asked how he was feeling, the sick man replied, 
I feel very weak. In fact, Pastor, sometimes I'm too weak to pray. And I worry about this. I'm afraid, so afraid, that one of these days I may, in my weakness, let go of Christ and be lost. The pastor then quoted Jesus' words recorded in John 10, 28. I give my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. What keeps us secure to the end, the pastor went on to say, is not finally our hold on Christ, but Christ's hold on us. And praise God, he will never let us go. I've got to say that's a comfort to me. I, I, I so naturally fall back into atheism. I'm full of doubts, I'm full of fears, but I know that God has me. And as I cling on by the skin of my teeth, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, year by year, as I cling on by the skin of my teeth, I know that that is my only hope. Not that I'm holding God's hand, but that he's holding me and he'll never let me go. Well, that brings us to the end of our series. If I had to, uh, if I had to summarise the whole series in a phrase, it'd be this. It's a phrase that's not my own. It's a phrase that comes from Paul. Here's the phrase: "God saves sinners." God saves sinners. Now, we are sinners, unable to save ourselves, unable even to turn to God for salvation. That's the doctrine of total depravity. But, but God, before time, without reference to anything in us, chose us, unconditional election. He then gave Jesus to die to actually save his people, not potentially save us, actually save his people, limited atonement. He, he regenerated us and gifted us with faith, irresistible grace, and he's holding on to us to the end, the perseverance of the saints. Do you see, do you see what the five points put together mean? From beginning to end, salvation is God's work alone. From before time until final glory, it's him that's doing it. God saves sinners. I know it's been a bit of a tough series. I know it's been a bit counterintuitive in some ways. But I hope that you found the series helpful. I hope, I hope that it's challenged your way of thinking. I hope it's deepened your understanding of salvation. I hope, it's, I hope it's humbled you before God as you've seen some of the things we don't know. But above all else, I hope you've been left with a deep sense of gratitude to God. God saves sinners. All praise to him alone. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you have saved us. We thank you for giving the Lord Jesus Christ to die, for giving your Holy Spirit to change us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're holding on to us to the end. We, we acknowledge that, that you are our only hope and we thank you that you are a strong and faithful hope. In Jesus' name, amen.